Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. I'm James Evan Pilato for MediaMonarchy.com. Independent establishments are having the most difficulty. We've got that story plus campaign critters pledge more support for war. But first, the big, big story of the day, YouTube to ban hateful supremacist videos. YouTube just announced today it would ban videos promoting or glorifying racism and discrimination, as well as those denying well-documented violent events like the Holocaust or Sandy Hook. The announcement by the Google-owned video sharing platform was the latest of a series of tech industry moves to filter out hateful and violent content, which have spurred calls for tougher regulation. The move comes after the U.S. opened an antitrust investigation a few weeks ago. Oh, oh, wait, I mean, after a call by world leaders in Paris last month to curb extremism online following revelations about the live streaming of multiple shooters in Christchurch. We will begin enforcing this updated policy today. However, it'll take time for our systems to fully ramp up and we'll be gradually expanding coverage over the next several months, YouTube said. They and other platforms have been seen as havens for conspiracy theorists denying Holocaust or September 11th attacks and for Nazi and white supremacist groups. So just all of that together, one brush done. SPLC, Vox.com, and the rest of the usual suspects are all in on this. James, I am so shocked that Vox.com, the site that has you know, differently abled folks writing articles about advocating lithium in the water supply, would, would do something like this. But from ThemTube's own maw, our ongoing work to tackle hate. That is the blog post on YouTube's Google blog. And of course, everything we say will always be included in your show notes. Titus Frost, I think, has a fun one that would be great if actually true. If I don't sign into YouTube, y'all can't notify me and take down my channel, checkmate. Or as Michael Tracy just said a little bit ago, to placate media elites screaming for censorship and demanding punishment, YouTube will impose rash, ill-considered new standards that end up harming small independent creators who've done nothing wrong. That's acceptable collateral damage for the moralizing media freaks. Or, James, finally, my own question— what if you're an indie broadcaster that's never monetized anything ever in 13 plus years and wonders why we're still having this conversation after three years and acting shocked and appalled? James? Yeah, bingo right there. That that was going to be my checkmate. Well, it, you can't demonetize me if I don't monetize. So too bad, YouTube. I don't, I don't rely on your filthy money, um, which is a position that's being vindicated more and more every single day now, isn't it? Um, I, I think the important thing that we really have to, because as you say, we've been hearing about this for years now and the various ways they've been moving towards this, and they're still moving, and the outright banning and censorship is still t- uh, you know, to take place in, on a mass scale, but we're getting the closer and closer. And the point that we have to not get desensitized to, the point that we can't just normalize and accept, is that truly, YouTube was YouTube. Tube when it started. It was for you to upload a whatever, and it was a free-for-all. And that was the spirit on which this platform was launched. And that was what took over the internet, as it were, and made it so incredibly popular. And the, the more they try to crack down on that and shape it into MSM Tube, the more it loses that spirit of what really actually built the platform was the actual users building the platform. And I I like to think that this is going to have important ramifications, but unfortunately we're moving into the era where you have to have a certain amount of infrastructure in place and you have to be able to jump through the copyright hoops and what have you, the various rules the EU and others are passing in order to, to win. So a 
Rayvahi at BitChute or uh, Bill Ottman at Minds.com or these types of platforms will just not be able to compete on this scale. Um, but I like to think that that initial impetus of what made YouTube into YouTube, that the fact that it allowed users to upload things and to be participatory in the process is what really made that platform take off. And I think there is space for that to happen again, although that window is closing. So... Let's just keep in mind, once again, YouTube is not the only place. And let me say for the 8,058th time, if you are only watching us on YouTube, you will not be watching us forever. We will be scrubbed at some point, censored, deplatformed, whatever. However it happens, it's going to happen. So stop relying on these controlled platforms. And in the meantime, uh, I know I, I, I'm just waking up to this. It's 9 a.m. here in Japan, so I'm just getting this news. But I know that Dan Dix has been demonetized um, and is going to need support in the meantime to tide him over because he was relying on that YouTube monetization. I'm sure there are others in in our orbit who are being affected by this. So people need to support this the uh, the independent media or it will go away. James, my my favorite free for all came before YouTube. It was Google Video, which let you upload anything. There was no time limit. I had an awesome Google Video channel in the early media monarchy days, and it got they they shut it down a, a decade or so ago. And I, so I learned a decade or so ago. Oh, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time putting up things that they're going to squish down in, in the in the in a heartbeat. We should spend more time building up our own things that they can't squash down in a heartbeat. James, in other, I think, kind of related news, Facebook's new public policy manager for Ukraine is a nationalist hawk who volunteered with fascist party during the U.S.-backed coup, which reminds me that, meanwhile, the whole Biden-McCain-Ukraine story keeps getting stinkier and stinkier. The mysterious Trump-Biden-New York Times-Ukraine connection, not explained. So, speaking of psychopath politicians that would like your vote in the fall, candidates pledge support for Israel in identical propaganda videos. At least 13 of what seems like hundreds of drones all running for America's Next Top President 2020 recorded videos of themselves for this year's American Jewish Committee Global Forum, which just wrapped up, I believe, yesterday. All the candidates, except two, spoke in support of Israel, many claiming it as an important American ally. All of them ignored Israel's pattern of spying on the U.S., stealing American technology, attacking the USS Liberty, the cost of Israel to Americans, the role of Israel partisans in pushing the U.S. into disastrous wars, you know, stuff like that. The only candidates who did not explicitly mention Israel were Tulsi Gabbard, that's Hawaii's Pepsi candidate, and Cory Booker, the New Jersey Pepsi, whose videos focus more on opposition to anti-Semitism. So it's the same thing, really, if they even didn't say the I word. Meanwhile, burn, feeling the burn, Sanders went in actually to the greatest detail in the issue, emphasizing his support for Israel while also discussing Palestinian suffering. He actually doesn't. Again, you can read it in the quotes. It should be noted, James, that the U.S. currently gives Israel about $10 million a day. A bill before the Senate that Kamala Harris is a super fan of would up that number to basically $7,000 a minute. James. Yeah, this, um, well, this shouldn't be surprising, but uh, look, I want to, I want to, <sighs> here's the thing, I, I want to believe that maybe, maybe we're all just missing something big here, and maybe the candidates do this all the time for all sorts of different countries. Maybe there's some sort of 
I don't know, Friends of Azerbaijan Council or something, and and all of the the politicians line up to make these little one minute videos. We love Azerbaijan and blah 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 blah. And maybe maybe this happens on a regular basis with all sorts of other countries. So I'm just asking people out there, please dig up any other country on the planet to which every politician is expected to line up and pay fealty to. And in that case, I'll go, oh, okay, well, it's just something the politicians do. But I just, I can't think of any other, any other group, any other lobby, any other country to which every politician has to bow down like this in such a public way. It's gives you pause for thought, doesn't it? Especially as, for example, as I know you covered recently on Morning Monarchy, um, uh, The Intercept was just talking about Israel, uh, basically the NSA twisting its own rules in order to give data, not just data on foreign subjects, but data presumably on Americans as well, to Israel, breaking their own rules in order to do it. Uh, time and time and time again, Israel is the exceptional country out there. It, uh, I don't know, it just continues to add up, doesn't it? <laughs> it certainly does. Well, yeah, Montenegro has a right to defend itself. Yeah. Presidential candidate video messages to the AJC Global Forum. Of course, you can see every single one of them. Of course, we'll include all the links in the show notes if you can handle it. Our third and final story on this Neural Next Week, episode 375. I actually, in the, in the pre-show planning, this gives you a little look behind the scenes, I had three different stories, because there's, of course, no shortage of things to talk about here in Neural Next Week. I was going to maybe talk about the new sustainable Legos, or maybe talk about how California is, of course, partnering with the Pentagon to stop wildfires. But I think a really interesting one builds on the work that we do here in, I think, in both our respective works and New World Next Week, especially California Town sees businesses vanish. Following minimum wage hike, the local Emeryville, California newspaper called the Emeryville Eye or the Eville Eye, they look definitely to be a, a little more muckraking a local place. Local newspapers, imagine that, has an impressively detailed look at what happens to, to Emeryville's labor market after the town won the fight for 15, raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Representatives from the Mills College Loki School presented data from its recent business conditions survey to the Emeryville City Council. The study confirmed what restaurant owners warned when the ordinance was hastily passed in 2015. They are struggling, rapidly raising menu prices and increasingly just looking to leave. It's getting harder to find small food service businesses that were around in 2015 when the minimum wage ordinance was passed. Anybody around then, most of them are gone now. In fact, nearly all the brick and mortar businesses that comprise the short-lived Little City Emeryville Small Business Advocacy Group have moved, folded, or sold. The survey also identified that, quote, the restaurant industry is clearly struggling Specifically, small, independent, non-franchise establishments are having the most difficulty. James, I, I think we've woven together quite the uh, rich tapestry here on this episode. <laughs> Uh, indeed, quite the quite a, some interesting stories. Well, uh, this one obviously ties back to the work that I've been doing recently on this very subject, and so there are obviously there's always nuance and, and different things to to pick up on when it comes to evaluating the economic effects of a certain policy in a given area. There are 18 million variables that can affect that. So, for more of the nuanced and detailed discussion about 
that. I would suggest people go back to my interview with Jacob Vigdor, who was leading the Seattle minimum wage study, where we get into the details of how do you go about determining what are the actual economic effects of a specific policy in an economic context where you have a booming city and blah, blah, blah. There's 8,000 different things you have to think about. So if you haven't thought about it before, you should look at that. But one of the things that comes out of that study is that it is harder for uh, small independent businesses to operate when an increasing amount of their, their share has to go towards these, uh, the, uh, uh, these wages. And this is, again, not something that's unknown. In fact, it was something that was specifically used, weaponized, as it were, by the early advocates of minimum wage and wage floors in the American economic context in particular, where, surprise, surprise, all of the early minimum wage advocates were progressive eugenicists who specifically and on the record and in black and white advocated for minimum wage specifically as a way to keep those poor read black people out of the wage uh, the labor market and if you don't understand or know that history please go back to my episode on the ugly truth about the minimum wage where i laid it out and have all the links and references it's a pretty amazing part of the story that always gets excluded this day and age but here's an example of how that plays out in reality. You raise the minimum wage and you are excluding a bunch of people from the labor market and putting independent small businesses out of business. The only people who can really afford to keep keep up with it are, of course, the McDonald's and big franchises. So that's, yeah, I think in uh, all three of our stories this week, it's essentially indie media or Palestinians or small independent businesses all essentially being squeezed by the big guy. James, I actually, you, you reminded me as you were just talking about it. I played that episode, the, the Ugly Truth About the Minimum Wage, on my own Media Monarchy stream, which is the fantastic way to wrap up this episode. 375 of Neural Next Week is by reminding folks that I stream news, music, memes, and more Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 Mountain Time at MediaMonarchy.com slash listen. I would love for folks to come check it out, James. Awesome. I certainly hope they do, and I hope they support you and me and the other independent media outlets that they like directly. Don't do it by watching ads on YouTube. Support us directly, or it will go away. Um, on that note, James, looking forward to three great stories next week. Thanks again. All right, buddy. Take care.